Our loving and holy Father in heaven, we are grateful and thankful to you for giving us the privilege of life. Lord in heaven, you have promised that your mercies will be new every morning. We pray, Father, that we will be partakers of that mercy today. Our greatest desire is to reflect the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, Father, we pray that as we go through the words of our devotion this morning, we shall receive strength from the words that you shall speak life to us, that we shall draw nearer and nearer to the image of Jesus. Lord in heaven, speak to us and grant us of your spirit to give us understanding and power to practice what we learn. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, January 5 In God's Image So, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. This devotion is a study on Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 to 31 which says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the sea, over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat, and to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to every thing that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life. I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Amen. After the earth with its teeming animal and vegetable life had been called into existence, man, the crowning work of the Creator, and the one for whom the beautiful earth had been fitted up, was brought upon the stage of action. To him was given dominion over all that his eye could behold. God created man in his own image. Here is no mystery. There is no ground for the supposition that man was evolved by slow degrees of development from the lower forms of animal or vegetable life. Such teaching lowers the great work of the Creator to the level of man's 
narrow earthly conceptions. Men are so intent upon excluding God from the sovereignty of the universe that they degrade man and defraud him of the dignity of his origin. He who set the starry worlds on high and tinted with delicate skill the flowers of the field, who filled the earth and the heavens with the wonders of his power, when he came to crown his glorious work, to place one in the midst to stand as a ruler of the fair earth, did not fail to create a being worthy of the hand that gave him life. The genealogy of our race, as given by inspiration, traces back its origin, not to a line of developing germs, mollusks, and quadrupeds, but to the great Creator. Though formed from the dust, Adam was the Son of God. His nature was in harmony with the will of God. His mind was capable of comprehending divine things. His affections were pure. His appetites and passions were under the control of reason. He was holy and happy in bearing the image of God and in perfect obedience to his will. He, Adam, was more than twice as tall as men now living upon the earth and was well proportioned. His features were perfect and beautiful. Eve was not quite as tall as Adam. Her head reached a little above his shoulders. She too was noble, perfect in symmetry and very beautiful. This sinless pair wore no artificial garments. They were clothed with a covering of light and glory, such as the angels wear. Amen. The title of our devotion is In God's Image and we are looking at the creation of man as seen in the book of Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 to 31 and that's what our focus will be on. As we are studying these origins and the history of the world and everything about the Bible in this devotional, Conflict and Courage, we always need to be reminded that the study of the Word of God is not necessarily about man, primarily about man, but it is a study of God Himself. So, because of that, I would want us to go beyond the scope of studying the creation of man, but studying also the Creator Himself. Today, there is a great debate, and it has been there for many years now concerning the origin of species, the origin of the earth, and the origin of the universe at large. What is the truth about this matter? How did everything come to being? Two arguments exist. One is called evolution and the other intelligent design. Evolution proposes that everything in the universe came about through something called a big bang but yet does not give us an explanation for how that big bang began. Whereas in intelligent design there's a process of reasoning 
that makes us to understand some real scientific principles that brings us to a logical and reasonable conclusion. I would like to say for the record, clearly, evolution has no reasonable conclusion in the sense that it goes against basic scientific principles. And these basic scientific principles, you when you go against them, you are no longer within the borders of science, but you are entering into faith. How can I believe that something existed, like they say, through a Big Bang that I have never seen before or that goes against the principle of cause and effect? The principle of science, we are going to use this now to understand which one is correct, intelligent design or evolution. In the general principle of science, there is something called the principle of cause. In the origin of the universe, the famous Kalam cosmological argument is a three-part argument that the universe requires a first cause. Its name reflects its roots in, uh, in an Islamic thought. It says anything that begins to exist has a cause. The universe begins to exist, therefore the universe has a first cause. There must be something that is eternal before there are things that are created or that are not eternal. For the very fact that everything around us has someone who brought it to being, nothing complex around us came in and of itself. Therefore, it follows that when we trace things back, there must be someone or something you may say, let me say someone because it has to do with a mind, someone that is the origin or originator, the intelligent designer of everything or of the first things through which every other mind begins to develop other things. It cannot be that there is nothing or no mind that created everything. There has to be a cause. The universe must have a cause. And then when we look at this uh, theory and try to test evolution with it, you find out that evolution does not give an explanation for a cause. Something just happens. There was a big bang. Who did the big bang? How did it come about? There's no explanation to that. So you see that it fails. What's more, evolution, you need faith to believe in it. So it is not actually science as people say. Because scientific methods must follow through experimentation or logical reasoning but mostly experimentation and come to a reasonable conclusion. Who has ever seen the Big Bang? What has ever evolved before our eyes? We've not seen it. Evolution gives its explanation into millions and billions of years that we can never trace and uses some kind of theory that can never be verified. Yet, it just needs you to believe it by faith. So you see that evolution is a faith-based system. It is not a scientific scientifically based system but when we test intelligent design it follows logical reasoning and gives you safe conclusions another argument for an intelligent design is the fine-tuning of the universe let us consider for example the laws and basic uh, existing uh, principles that ex that are in the universe generally for example look at the mass of a proton or the mass of an electron. These things are fixed and any little change in their mass, for example, will alter the whole universe and even the universe will cease to exist. The interdependence between these quantities of the universe is so intricate 
and so special and so fine-tuned that all these quantities anyone just one of them takes a slight change will alter the whole universe as it exists so let us consider some of them if the strong nuclear force were slightly more powerful then there will be no hydrogen an essential element of life if it was slightly weaker then hydrogen would be the only element in existence if the earth itself was slightly closer to the sun than it is presently all life will cease to exist because all the water will dry up and we are living in a water-based environment without the existence of water there is no life just take the earth just a little bit closer to the sun water will dry up and there will be no life take the earth just a little bit further away from the sun and the same thing will happen everywhere will get frozen and the even the gravitational uh, balance that exists between the sun the earth and the moon any one of them that moves just a bit will change everything the moon which controls the seasons in the earth if it comes a little bit closer to the earth its revolution around the earth will change and then it will affect the sun and then it will also affect the balance with the with, with the next planet which is mars because there is a magnetic balance between all uh, bodies in the universe from the sun to the earth in this solar system to the moon and then the next uh, uh, planets close to us like venus and mars and jupiter and mercury all of them there's a magnetic balance between all of them any one of them slightly moves and the balance is altered and everything the rotation around the earth the revolution the revolution everything will change the earth will start stop to revolve if the moon comes closer or further from it and even if the moon another thing about the moon if it was slightly bigger than it is or the earth slightly smaller than it is you'll find out that the balance that exists between the moon and the earth and the sun would also change what are the possibilities that these things were placed by chance what is the probability another example is it says if the if the weak nuclear force were slightly different then either there would be not be enough helium to generate heavy metals heavy elements in the stars or stars would burn out too quickly and supernova explosions could not scatter heavy elements across the universe if the electromagnetic force were slightly stronger or weaker atomic bonds and thus complex molecules could not form if the value of the gravitational constant were slightly larger one consequence would be that stars would become too hot and burn out too quickly if it were smaller stars would never burn at all and heavy elements would not be produced so the finely tuned laws and constants of the universe are an example of specified complexity in nature. They are complex in that their values and settings are highly unlikely. They are specified in that they match the specific requirements needed for life. Any change in any of these quantities or these distances or balance that exist in the universe and then life will not be supported and i was asking earlier what are, what is the probability that 
this thing happened by chance. The probability is in numbers that are astronomical. 1 times 10 raised to power something above 29, 30, all, all of that. You can't even call it in numbers. That is the probability that such a thing would have been done by chance. This is an example of intelligent design. I'll just give a third example of intelligent design and that is the origin of irreducible complexity in molecular machines. This was proposed by a man called Michael Behe in the mid-1990s. He wrote a book that was uh, titled Darwin's Black Box, trying to explain and understand the principle of survival of the fetus proposed by Darwin, which says that as, as organisms evolve, they shed off parts of themselves that are not necessary for their existence and then they become that's how they evolve into higher organisms or higher animals now michael behe trying to investigate this realized that there's something about unicellular organisms the bacteria for example where how has the bacteria evolved did it evolve no then what was there before the bacteria and he looked at it and saw that anything you remove from the existing bacteria, it could not have existed. So where does the, the, the theory of evolution come in? Because the theory of evolution says that there was something before the bacteria. That thing evolved into the bacteria. So what was that thing and what did it shed off? So in looking at this, he realized the complexity of a unicellular organism. Of a unicellular organism tells us that if everything was not brought into place at once, it could not have existed. If it came in little by little, there would have been no life at all. I read here, it says, Molecular machines are another compelling line of evidence for intelligent design, as there is no known cause other than intelligent design that can produce machine-like structures with multiple interacting parts. In a well-known 1998 article in the journal Cell, former president of the U.S. National Academy of Sciences, Bruce Alberts, explained the astounding nature of molecular machines. The entire cell can be viewed as a factory that contains an elaborate network of interlocking assembly lines. Each one is composed of a set of large protein machines. Why do we call the large protein assemblies that underlie cell function protein machines? Precisely because, like machines invented by humans to deal efficiently with the macroscopic world, these protein assemblies contain highly coordinated moving parts. But could molecular machines evolve by Darwinian mechanisms? Discovering intelligent design explains why this is highly improbable due to the irreducible complex nature of many molecular machines. Many cellular features such as molecular machines require multiple interactive parts to function. Behe has further studied the ability of Darwinism to explain these multi-part structures. In his book, Darwin's Black Box, Behe coined the term irreducible complexity to describe a system that fails Darwin's test of evolution and he says, quote, what type of biological system could not be formed by numerous successive slight modifications? Well, for starters, a system that is irreducibly complex. By irreducible complex, I mean a single system which is composed of several interacting parts that contribute to the basic function and where the removal 
of any one of the parts causes the system to effectively cease functioning. End of quote. As suggested earlier, Darwinism requires that structures remain functional along each step of their evolution. However, irreducible complex structures cannot evolve in a step-by-step fashion because they do not function until all of their parts are present and working. Multiple parts requiring numerous mutations would be necessary to get any function at all. An event that is extremely unlikely to occur by chance. One famous example now of an irreducible complex molecular machine is the bacterial flagellum. The flagellum is a micromolecular propeller assembly driven by a rotary engine that propels bacteria towards food or a hospitable living environment. There are various types of flagella, but all function like a rotary engine made by humans as found in some car and boat motors. Flagella contain many parts that are familiar to human engineers including a rotor, a stator, a drive shaft, a U-joint and a propeller. As one molecular biologist wrote in this joint in the journal cell, more so, I quote, more so than other motors, the flagellum resembles a machine designed by a human. Genetic knockout experiments by microbiologist Scott Minich show that the flagellum fails to assemble or function properly if any one of its approximately 35 genes is removed. In this all or nothing game, mutations cannot produce the complexity needed to evolve a functional flagellum one step at a time, and the odds are too daunting for it to assemble in one great leap. So here, I just read from a journal, Evolution News, and there they were explaining what I was just saying earlier about Michael Behe's study. You can look for it on the internet. Basically, what they are saying is if you look at that flagellum, it has different parts. It has the rotor, it has the U-joint, and it has the propeller, all those things. So which one came first based on the theory of Darwinism, of natural selection? If the bacteria had the rotor, which was non-functional, Darwinism says that it will throw it away. It will shed itself of that rotor because it is non-functional and useless for so that it can evolve. And if the U-joint was there first, and the U-joint alone was there without the uh, rotor and without the propeller and other things, the U-joint is useless. So the bacteria or whatever was there before the bacteria would have to give up that thing so that it can evolve. So you would never have a bacteria, that's what it means. Because for you to have the flagellum, all the parts need to be relevant, which is like we mentioned, the U-joint, the rotor, the propeller, the motor, all of it needs to be there together. If one of them came before the other, Darwinism says evolution would throw away that thing because it is useless. Survival of the fittest and natural selection means that it throws anything that is useless. But you see the principle of irreducible complexity tells us that all these things must come together at once for the bacteria to exist and for the flagellum to be functional. Therefore it follows. What is the probability that all these things came at once? Highly unlikely there must be a designer. Who then is this designer? That is the question.
we can find an answer for who this intelligent designer is in the Bible. The first verse of the Bible, my brothers and sisters, he introduces himself to you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Who is this God is the next question we'll ask ourselves. Who is this God that created? John chapter 1 verse 1 to 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So this Creator God is referred to here as the Word. Who is this Word? I read from the book Desire of Ages, reading from page 20, paragraph 1. It says, In the beginning, God was revealed in all the works of creation. It was Christ that spread the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. It was his hand that hung the worlds in space and fashioned the flowers of the field. His strength set fast the mountains. The sea is his, and he made it. Psalm 65 verse 6 and Psalms 95 verse 5. It was he, Jesus Christ, that filled the earth with beauty and the air with song. And upon all things in earth and air and sky, he wrote the message of the Father's love. End of quote. My brothers and sisters, the creator who you know in Genesis chapter 1, is Jesus Christ, the Son. And I will want to separate it clearly for us to make us know Jesus himself is the Creator. He is fulfilling the will of the Father. Your Creator is that man, Jesus. The Bible tells us again in the book of Hebrews chapter 1, reading from verse 2, referring to God. It says, God has revealed himself, spoken to us in sundry times and revealed himself in these last days. Verse 2, had in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, plural, not the world, the earth, but made the worlds. He didn't say by whom also he made the earth, but by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by his word of his power, by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So we'll get to how the creation was done. But here once more we are seeing that the Son, which is the word, Jesus Christ, is the creator. Colossians 1 reading from verse 13 says, Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. So the Son now, in whom we have redemption through his blood, that is referring to the Son, Jesus Christ, we have redemption through him and even the forgiveness of sin. Talking about the Son again, he says, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. 
and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, for it pleased the Father that in him all fullness should dwell. Your Creator is the man, Jesus Christ. He existed long before any other thing was created. Jesus has no pre, uh, no creation, creation time where you say, oh, he was created. Jesus was not created. He has always existed just like the Father. Long before this earth or even any angel was created, there existed the Father and the Son. In him is life, unborrowed, underived, and original. In Christ is original life. He didn't receive it from the Father saying, Oh, the Father created him. No, he himself is that God that pre existed, the creator and the cause of all you see in the universe. So, what did he create? Exodus 20, verse 11 tells us clearly concerning this our earth for in six days the lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is and rested the seventh day so what did he create everything in this earth and in the heavens and when we say the heavens it doesn't mean where god himself existed because we, the bible tells us in the book of second corinthians chapter 12 where paul talked and said uh, talks about the third heaven the third heaven referring to where god himself dwells before the creation of this our own heavens here the heavens where the sun and the moon and the stars and all the other worlds exist that is place is a place called heaven the universe as we know it is called heaven that i know this is mind-blowing for you but that was created within that six days some people think that the universe pre-existed god you see god pre-exists this universe God does not exist within time and space. He created space and he created time. The vast space which we call the universe, he created it within that six days. Where he dwells being a different heaven. But this place which we call the universe, the heavens where the sun and the moon and all the stars and the comets all exist and all the other galaxies exist. This place called the universe, God created in six days. Within that six days, he created them. And everything in this earth also, God created them within that six days. Mind-blowing for you, but it is true nevertheless. So how did God create? We, also, we have already seen that when we read the book of Hebrews chapter 1. It says in verse 3 that he upholds all things by the word of his power. The book of Genesis chapter 1 tells us how God creates he didn't use his hands. It says that he spoke everything into existence. In the book of Psalm 33 verse 6 and 9, we are told, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Verse 9, For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and he stood fast. Even angels were created by his word. They were commanded into existence. Psalms 148, reading from verse 1 to 5, says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. So take note of the things that are being listed now. Praise ye him, first of all, angels. Praise ye him, next, his hosts. Praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise ye, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that are above the heavens. Then verse 5 says, Let them, what is them there? That is the angels, the hosts, 
the sun, the moon, the stars of light, the heavens of heavens, the waters above the heavens, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. Among the things listed here that were commanded into creation is the angels. There is a very wrong notion that man, God used his hands to form him from the dust of the ground. No. All things were spoken into existence and it is important that you understand that because God holds, God created all things by his word and upholds all things by his word. Hebrews 4 from verse 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God is powerful. 2 Peter chapter 3 reading from verse 3 tells us of what is going to happen in our days where people will be denying that god created he says knowing this first that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying where is the promise of his coming for since the fathers fell asleep all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation verse 5 says for this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of god the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water so how did god create again by the word of god and in the creation of man and animals there is no difference people want to make it they say there's a difference that god formed man using his hands and used the dust no he spoke man into existence and if you read the book of ezekiel ezekiel chapter 37 it tells us of creation and how God did it. Go and read it. He spoke to the bones and the bones were formed. And then he spoke and then those bones had muscles and sinews. And he spoke and then life came into them. He doesn't need to use his hands. The word of God is powerful. It is his word that he used to create all things including man. Genesis 2 verse 7 tells us how man was created and also verse 19 tells us how the animals were created and there is no difference. Verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Take note, the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and if you look at the hebrew word used there it is the same hebrew word used in verse 19 when it is talking about the creation of the animals verse 19 says and out of the ground the lord god formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air the same language is used god formed man out of the dust of the ground and out of the ground god formed every beast and every fowl of the air no difference everything including man was created by the word of god but what did god have in mind when he was creating man what was his purpose written in genesis 1 this part is the most important now for us as humans so that we understand our purpose in life which i always want to repeat to us god had a plan for you you have a destiny that god has planned out don't create another one for yourself hear your destiny hear your purpose here genesis 1 verse 26 and god said let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So what does it mean here? 
God gave man dominion but that was not the purpose. That dominion was only given to him based on one fact and that is that he is in the image of God. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. The image and likeness of God in man is what gives him dominion. You don't have any dominion unless you have the image and likeness of God. And as we will see as we study, the moment man lost the image of God, he also lost the dominion that he had. And the only way man can gain back dominion is not just by fighting, saying, oh, I have dominion, I have dominion. We just deceive ourselves. The only way you can have back that dominion is if the image and likeness of God is restored in you. And that is the purpose of redemption. It is the purpose of the death of Jesus on the cross. It is a process by which man is restored to the image of God. In Genesis 2 verse 19, it tells us how much man, Adam, was in the image and likeness of God. Adam's mind was exactly like God's mind. When God created all the animals, he himself gave names to those animals. God knew what he created. The Bible tells us that God created every cattle. So that means he already had a name and every bird and every um, fish in the sea those animals already had names before god even made adam now god brought them to adam to see what he would call them not for him to name them as we are usually told in genesis chapter 2 verse 19 it says and out of the ground the lord god formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto adam to see what he would call them not to name them as people say but rather to see what he will call them because they already had names and whatsoever adam called every living creature that was the name thereof not that is the name or that became the name that was the name that means they already had names and god brought them to adam adam gave them the name god had already given them he called them by the name that god already gave them showing that Adam was indeed in the image of God. His thought was God's thought. His mind was God's mind. His faculties, everything about it, his reasoning, his will, his perception, his, his, his imagination, all of it was conformed to the image of God. This is the purpose of God in creating man. The title of our devotion, The Image of God, that is what it's about. Jesus says to us in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah reading chapter 43 verse 7 even everyone that is called by my name for I have created him for my glory I have formed him yea I have made him God created you for his glory God created us to be in his image and likeness and what is this image and likeness of God like Psalm 104 verse 1 and 2 tells us Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty, who coverest thyself with light as with a garment, who stretcheth out the heavens like a curtain. In our devotion, we are told in the last paragraph, page 11, paragraph 6 of Conflict and Courage, the sinless pair wore no artificial garments. They were clothed with a covering of light and glory such as the angels wear. 
they were in the image and likeness of God. They had no clothes. That's why when you read in the Bible, it says they were naked but not ashamed. Why were they naked and not ashamed? Because in the image of God, they were clothed as I just read now in the book of Psalms 104 verse 2 that God is covered with light as with a garment. Their garment was light. And when you look at the light bulb, if you switch off that light, what happens? You start to see the form of the light and everything inside it. You can even look at it very clearly. But when you put on the light, all you see is the light. If the, and when that light is very bright, the source of the light itself, the thing, the form of it may not be seen because the light is coming out of that thing. But when you put off the light, then you start to see, oh, this is the way, this is the form of the thing that is bringing the light. Adam and Eve were clothed with light and that is what the image of God is like and that is why they were naked and not ashamed but more than that the image of God means to have the mind of God which is without sin they were completely sinless and that is the image of God which has been marred today and that is the purpose of redemption desire of ages page 330 paragraph 2 says redemption is that process by which the soul is trained for heaven this training means a knowledge of christ it means emancipation from ideas habits and practices that have been gained in the school of the prince of darkness the soul must be delivered from all that is opposed to loyalty to god end of quote again in the book education page 15 paragraph 2 it says to restore in man the image of his maker to bring him back to the perfection in which he was created to promote the development of body mind and soul that the divine purpose in his creation might be realized this was to be the work of redemption this is the object of education the great object of life so here we see what man was made for another purpose of god in creating man is to judge the world in 1 chapter 1 corinthians chapter 6 reading verse 2 and 3 we are told do you not know that the saints shall judge the world and if the world shall be judged by you and you are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters know ye not that we shall judge angels how much more things that pertain to this life before man was created something happened in the third heavens the angels of God were not created in the six days that man was created. They already pre-existed that time. The book of Ezekiel 28 tells us of a being that existed in Eden, the garden of God, in the mountain of God. This being, we know him as Satan, a cherubim. And the Bible tells us in the book of Ezekiel 28, reading from verse 12, 13, 14, that he sinned. But this sin, God did not judge because it was against God he sinned. There needed to have been another person to judge the case. Man was created to judge angels, but Satan corrupted man. And that is why his life has been prolonged till now. Redemption, God came to the earth through Jesus to restore what he had already begun so that Satan can be judged by man. And that's one reason why God Jesus took the form of man and conquered sin and now is eligible to judge the case of Satan. In the book Desire of Ages, page 19, paragraph 2, it says, 
by coming to dwell with us. Jesus was to reveal God both to men and to angels. He was the Word of God, God's thought made audible. In his prayer for the disciples, he says, I have declared unto them thy name, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundance in good and truth, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. But not alone for his earth-born children was this revelation given. Our little world is a lesson book of the universe, God's wonderful purpose of grace, the mystery of redeeming love is the theme into which the angels desire to look, and it will be their study throughout endless ages. Both the redeemed and the unfallen beings will find in the cross of Christ their science and their song. It will be seen that the glory shining in the face of Jesus is the glory of self-sacrificing love. In the light from Calvary, it will be seen that the law of self-renouncing love is the law of life for earth and heaven, that the love which seeketh not her own has its source in the heart of God, and that in the meek and lowly one is manifested the character of him who dwelleth in the light which no man can approach unto. End of quote. May the Lord help us to understand these things in depth, whether it is the creation of the world, the purpose of God in creating man, the nature of man, and the nature of God also. May he bring us back to that redemption that we in us may be restored the image of God is my prayer. Amen. Amen. Continuing on the thoughts, the text again says, So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. This simple and straightforward statement here is key if we must understand the reasons why we are here, understanding the purpose of life. God made man. When this young boy, when he was a young boy, Charles Darwin, he was playing with the idea that man evolved. He didn't know that Satan was inspiring him to set the world up for chaos just as he did with the angels and also with Adam. He wants to take God out of the equation. That's exactly what Satan wants to do. Remove God from the picture and so humanity can never arrive at the answer. And so that man will turn to infidelity and materialism leaving eternity out of their reckoning. They leave. Man should leave for the present. Now, you see, we have to understand as our brother just told us how God created the world. We have to understand it because as the reading says that after the earth with its teeming animal and vegetable life had been called into existence, Man, the crowning work of the Creator and the one for whom the beautiful earth had been fitted up was brought upon the stage of action. To him was given dominion over all that his eyes could behold. 
Man was the crowning work of the Creator. Man had a designer, he just told us. So much intelligence is seen in the body to support this fact. Did you know that the cells of your right ear have the same information, the same genetic materials on how to make your liver? But they cannot use them. If they do, then you have another liver growing in your ear. Likewise, other cells. Look at the wonderful blood filtration system of the body, the kidneys, how it filters blood and fluids and see the beautiful processes where food is being converted into blood. See the wonderful mechanisms of the brain, how the brain functions at different times, different chemicals and hormones have been released. See design in at work not to talk about the reproductive system so you see that men were fooled into believing that some are better than others or more evolved or superior to others that concept is the cause of the following disasters i'll put it to us six points that was drawn by Kent Hovind so that we see it. Point number one is evolution was Vladimir Leach Lenin's problem. Lenin led the Bolshevik revolution in 1917 and took over Russia. He killed the Tsar, the Sikh, and his family in cold blood. There will not be communism in Russia today if he had not been for the writings of Charles Darwin the book he read on evolution and we saw what communism and what communism is doing in the world today evolution the theory is the motivating factor for guys like hitler and stalin and george bush and we understand that hitler who sparked up world war ii and the killings of over six million jews in his genocide ethnic cleansing and we also saw the casualties the World War II was the deadliest military conflict in history. An estimated total of 70 to 85 million people perished or about 3% of the 1940 world population. And the population of the world was about 2.3 billion. Not to talk about the famines and the displacements and the families that were wrecked apart. All the heartbreaks and the woes that followed the war because a man read that men are better evolved than others and then he thought he could wipe out others so that the fetus will survive that's the evil of evolution if evolution is true you could not even know that it is true because your brain is nothing but chemicals that's exactly what evolution teaches point number three monkeys are still having babies why don't they have another human today? We see the line that evolution, the lie that evolution used that, that we evolved from monkeys. But today monkeys are having baby monkeys and then humans are given birth to humans. What happened to the line? Evolution, point number four, evolution is stupid. Evolution is a religious worldview that is not supported by science, scripture, popular opinion or common sense 
the exclusive teachings of this dangerous mind-altering philosophy in tax-supported schools and parks and museums is a clear violation of the First Amendment. Of course, the devil is laughing at folks for believing it. And then he went on to draw the picture that if although parents, Christian parents, religious leaders, they teach in the church that God created the world and then they send their children to places where they teach them that the world evolves. It seems all taxpayers are being forced to fund the religion of evolution in schools and in its evolution that must be proven to be the only way our universe came into being like the textbook says. What happens if one jury member will not vote for the, with the rest? Point number five. Maybe the purpose of the space program, NASA, is to prepare the world for Big Brother, the New World Order. Point number six. Evolution as the foundation for communism, Nazism, socialism, and the New World Order. Now think about it. The Big Bang idea began with a Belgian astronomer, George Edward. According to Isaac Asimov, he conceived this mass to be no more than a few light years in diameter, 12 trillion miles. By 1965, that figure was reduced to 275 million miles. In 1972, they reduced it further down to 71 million miles. In 1974, to 54 million miles. In 1983, to a trillion the diameter of a proton, or simply put, nothing exploded. Whilst the Bible is teaching us that God made the world out of nothing, evolution is saying that nothing exploded and then the world came into being. See the lies in the textbook. And so I put it before us today that if the world was created by God, as we see it because of the intelligence design, then the theory of the Big Bang is true, but it has not happened yet. Because the Creator Himself says that the world will be destroyed, the Big Bang is in front of us, is right before our eyes in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth and also all the works that are therein shall be burned up. Now let me, let me put this point straight to us. You understand that God who made the heaven is saying that there is a reason why we are here and we have to prepare for the future life. And Satan wants to take that future life out of our reckoning so that we cannot see what is before us we have to make preparations for because this earth is going to pass away with fervent is going to melt with fervent heat it's going to pass away with a great noise seeing that all these things shall be dissolved what manner of persons ought ye to be in holy conversation and godliness looking for the hasting unto the coming of the day of God wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the element shall melt with fervent heat. Beloved, it will take more power to uphold the world than it is 
and then the power that it took to create the world god created the world in six days and it takes more power for him to hold the world in existence as our brother have just told us see holding the earth and nothing the moon and the stars the moon continue to shine at night as a reflection reflecting the rays of the sun look at the sun it's power being generated constantly day and night but in case humanity are still searching for evidences that the world evolved and they don't want to give god the glory Mm. Psalms 19 says that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech, no language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth and their words to be to the end of the world. In them had he set a tabernacle for the sun. Mark the word, he had set a tabernacle for the sun. The unwearied sun from day to day does his creator's power display, the songwriter says, and publishes to every land the work of an almighty hand. Soon as the evening shades prevail, the moon takes up the wondrous tale and nightly to the listening ear repeats the story of her birth. While all the stars that round her burn and all the planets in their turn confirm the tidings as the roll and spread the truth from pole to pole. And what do in solemn silence all move round the dark terrestrial ball? What do no real voice, no sound amid their radiant orbs be found? In reason's ear they all rejoice and utter forth a glorious voice forever singing as they shine the hand that made us is divine see the universe is telling from the stars that in their trackless causes through space follow from age to age their appointed path down to the minutest atom the things of nature obey the creator's will and God cares for everything and sustains everything that he has created. And he who upholds the unnumbered worlds throughout immensity at the same time cares for the ones of the little brown sparrow and sings that sings its humble song without fear. When men go forth to their daily toil as when they engage in prayer, when they lie down at night, and when they rise in the morning, when the rich man feasts in his palace, or when the poor man gathers his children about the scanty board, each is tenderly watched by the Heavenly Father. No tears are shed that God does not notice. There is no smile that he does not mark. Hallelujah. Steps to Christ, page 85. It just shows us the immensity of our father though he cares for great things as well as for little things he made the world god made man and he cares for man evolution is taking pity the tender pity of the father out of the picture and so we are left with nothing to fall back on christ is waiting 
with longing desire for the manifestation of himself in his church when the character of christ shall be perfectly reproduced in his people then he will come and claim them as his own second peter chapter 3 verse 13 peter continues nevertheless we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness wherefore beloved seeing that ye look for such things be diligent that ye be that ye may be found of him in peace without sport and blameless as your soul yearns after god you will find more and still more of the unsearchable riches of his grace as you contemplate these riches you will come into possession of them and will reveal the merits of the savior's sacrifice the protection of his righteousness the fullness of his wisdom and his power to present you before the father without sport and blameless so beloved while evolution is keeping us trapped in the old world we are preparing for something greater something coming second peter again chapter 3 verse 17 says ye therefore beloved seeing ye know these things before beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ to whom be glory both now and forever amen our lord jesus christ is coming he made the worlds and he upholds the world and he is coming for the obedient to carry them out of this world that is going to perish hebrews chapter 1 verse 8 but unto the son he said thy throne o god is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity therefore god even thy god hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows and thou lord in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the works of thine hands they shall perish but thou remainest and they all shall wax old as doth the garment we understand that the earth is waxing old as a garment is about to pass away and like peter advised us what manner of persons ought we to be we have to make preparation for the city that had foundations whose builder and maker is our father man was made in the image and likeness of god may we not be blinded by the enemy's tricks to cause us to lose sight of this fact and may we get ready to be reunited with our father we understand that sin had caused the separation between man and god but christ in his death and burial and resurrection had brought to us in union close union with the father and so may we get ready as we put away scenes from our life may we get ready to be reunited in the great day of the lord as he comes it is we experience in jesus name amen let us pray o lord and father blessed be to thy holy name it is you who have made us not we ourselves to us, O oh Lord, belongs confusion of faces we have been lied to. But because of love, you left your station and came down upon the earth to show us how to live the life that would take us back to you. 
Oh Lord, we see the earth that you've made. You made everything beautiful for man. Man happens to be the crowning work, the crowning act of your work. Oh Lord, we thank you for such love being displayed. And for 6,000 years, you're still upholding all things by thy power and love. Lord, help us to live lives that will be worthy of honor. Help us prepare for that great day when you shall come again to make up your jewels, that we may be found worthy to be amongst that number. This is our prayer in Jesus' precious name. Amen.